This is Jaskaran Singh Sandhu, the executive director for the World Sikh Organization, here with another episode about laicite, secularism, and Bill 21 in Quebec as part of a, a larger project uh, in Quebec series of the Ask Canadian Six, the podcast. I am joined again by Jennifer Guyver, Dr. Simranjit Singh, God, uh, and my colleague Amrit Gore, uh, VP for uh, Quebec and Atlantic regions. Today's topic uh, is a little more broad, uh, and it's and it's going to be on the media. And you know, Ask Canadian Six itself was formed almost as a as a criticism reaction to poor media coverage of the Sikh community. Uh, so it's important that we we have this conversation again here on the failures and success the successes that we've witnessed um, in the coverage of Bill 21, in the coverage of minority communities, in the coverage of uh, religious faith communities around this issue of secularism. And I also want to look at the differences between French media and English media in Quebec, and then also the impact of Quebec media and national media as part of this debate. So this is very broad, um, but I, I think we can start with, you know, let's start with a bit of a positive spin to begin with. Um, Amrit Gore, you've done a bunch of interviews um, on this issue. Um, what, what, has, what has gone right in the coverage about this? In terms of the English media, it's great because you have people who are affected who are vocalizing their concerns and the English media gets it. They're putting out those stories um, and there's the appropriate references. You're, they're talking to schools, they're talking to lawyers and judges. So that's fabulous what's happening there. In terms of the French media, we kind of see this very big bias and this bias does not represent the notions or the thoughts of people who are affected. So you're not hearing their complete story. In many cases, they're often missing. The sick narrative, it's it's missing Right. We see um, representations of women who are Muslim who are wearing niqabs when the reality is maybe there's like a 2% that wears niqab. And even when a Muslim woman is advocating for themselves, the word shamelessly will be used. There's nothing shameless about advocating for yourself. You've done quite a few interviews. Um, of the interviews you did, just like roughly speaking, percentage-wise, how much of that was with French media and how much of that was with uh, English-speaking media? So I would say that I think 80% was with English, 20% was with French. Mm -hmm. And it was, in my opinion, the more left uh, French papers, they were reaching out to me. Right. Uh, I have yet to have an interview with TVA. And I, I TVA, um, they have a huge uh, uh, following in terms of like the French population. Uh, La Presse, they did reach out and there was uh, communication with them. Um, and there are smaller other independent ones that are doing their work, but I feel like they're not they're not informed of who they should be speaking to and they don't have that insider uh, knowledge that the English media does. Mm -hmm. And so what does this say? So if we just take this at um, a very high level right, and there's a, there seems to be a lack of engagement or um, like a sincere attempt to bring people from minority communities that are going to be impacted by this legislation to French media, you know, what does this say about the media coverage itself? 
I think the media coverage, it's been, it's a mixed bag. And I think one of the things that it's really important to remember is that this is largely the whole problem around reasonable accommodation and religious symbols is partly a media creation. And so the media have, they're not neutral observers. And even if they have their own sort of like, uh, like, agendas or ideologies that are informing them as all media has, right? Media is like not neutral to begin with, but they themselves as an actor within this debate, they're not critical of themselves at all. Mm -hmm. They'll be critical of each other, but they're not critical of themselves as like the media machine and what they've done to religious minorities in this province, right? So anytime for the last 10 years, you have a story about a religious community doing something strange or out of the ordinary or asking for a glass of water, right? Like, you know, it's it's really, in, as in French we say, c'est du n'importe quoi, right? It's, it's anything and everything. A religious community, someone, a religious person, visible religious person just has to like sneeze at the wrong time and there can be a story written up about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's because... Um, like the media have created in Quebec have created like a market for these stories of outrage and they know, you know, who to get. Um, and there's people who are outraged that the story exists, right? And it fuels itself. So the media um, hasn't taken a critical look at itself and what it's doing in the debate. And I think that's a really big problem. So when we say media again, um, Quebec is unique in that it has mainstream English and mainstream French media. Yeah. Which uh, I think for a lot of our listeners um, is not something that they with themselves would be used to because their media coverage would either be like the Toronto Stars or the Globe and Mails and the National Post. Um, it, it, it's not as diverse of a media landscape as it may be in Quebec. Uh, so when we're leveling criticisms at media, are, are we leveling at both English and French or is, or is it mostly just French media where there's a problem that exists? No, there's a problem in both, but it's different. It's sort of like it, it's a different problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the English media, you have one English language newspaper, which is the Gazette. Like we're talking daily mm-hmm. newspaper. Um, and in for the for the rest of the province, there's there's regional ones, right? And there's also like a couple of like provincial wide. So there's much more French media, much more diversity of opinions and thoughts, and there's really a monopoly on the English side. So with the English side and also its audience, it doesn't necessarily present things in the most nuanced way. It presents things in a way that uh, makes the English community look quite good. Mm -hmm. And that's not always accurate reporting because, you know, so for instance, the Multani case, um, Back when I was doing my MA, I wrote a paper and I was looking at, I looked at, uh, so if if you don't know what the Multani case is, but I think most Canadian Sikhs do, Mm -hmm. um, this is the uh, court case over um, the schoolboy who dropped his kirpan in the schoolyard. And then the, you know, the school board, the school made arrangements with the parents. The school board went over the head of the school and said, no, the kid can't have his kirpan at school. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada, which um, agreed that the kirpan didn't pose 
a danger because there's many other objects in school, like scissors and mm-hmm. um, baseball bats and. And the WSO was like an that. intervener on that case as well. Yeah, the WSO played a played a big role. Seeks all over Canada are quite mm-hmm. proud that it, you know, they were able to defend their community. Um, so the Multani verdict, uh, when it happened, right, that was like a big kind of shock to Quebec society because previously they didn't really think about Sikhs. And uh, I think most of them just thought, you know, oh, they were like a kind of Muslim, right? Right. Um, so they weren't really on anyone's radar. And then suddenly it's like, oh, they all have secret weapons under their clothes. <laughs> oh, no. Right. What? And they're in schools and they're arming their children. Right. And it's like a big, whoa. Um, so all this was passing under their nose. Right. And so they hadn't been aware, um, which is really not what I think we know. This is not what the story is. Right. Um so with the French media, how they responded, so I wrote this paper, I, was, I wanted to compare how the English media and the French media responded. The English media, um, it was okay in reporting the facts of the case, but it mostly um, was really obsessed with how the French had responded, right? How, the, how, how Francophone Quebecers were, were being um, prejudiced and racist and, you know, propping up the English side as, you know, we're the tolerant ones. Um, and meanwhile, in the French press, um, Le Devoir and Journal de Montréal, of course. Journal de Montréal was very, which is the kind of, um, it's like the kind of like sun version, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not, it doesn't have a really good reputation. And it has a lot of like shock jock media guys who write, you know, uh, and women who write really horrible anti-immigrant, anti-minority articles all the time. So the way that they approached it was quite like demeaning, right? And it was all, it was, there was like a, a thing, like a, a visual of like, who are Sikhs, right? And it was like, you know, calls, and it went through like the five Ks, but it was just like very, you know, I don't know. Demeaning? Yeah, slightly, right? Like you have a Sikh in his underwear, mm-hmm. you know, on like a drawing of one. Um, it's kind of just like very basic information not present and they published a lot of editorials that were really really critical and their interviews with people it, they don't have to you know vet who they're talking to it's just somebody off the street and their opinion and that's what gets published right if it agrees with us we'll publish it um, you know, the more inflammatory the better so the best newspaper actually to report on the Multani verdict was La Presse which had the most sort of um objective or just like just descriptive explanation of the verdict and what it meant and and things like that. So I think all the newspapers and all the news media outlets really um, in Quebec have a problem when it comes to talking about religion. And especially when it comes to talking about Sikhs, um, it's a different problem than what Muslims face. With Muslims, like they tend to, and with Islam, they tend to go into like doctrine and scripture, things like that, and pull those out and kind of criticize religious communities because of what's written, you know, in religious texts. And Sikhs, you never hear, you don't get, you know, scripture pulled out. Um, that just doesn't happen. So it's it's very different kind of um, discourse depending on the religious community. Mm-hmm. 
Simran, do you think you've you've researched quite a bit on how media covers uh, religion in general, right? And what are some patterns that you've seen uh, just at, at, a, at a macro level of how religion tends to be covered um, in situations that we're kind of witnessing here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd say a few things. I think the first is um, that journalists generally don't get trained in religion. I mean, journalists have a tough job, right? They're expected to know a little bit about everything. And, you know, usually most of us don't know the things that they know and, and we don't know about the communities that they know. So, so they're, they, they have this expectation and um, they're not trained to, ne- not necessarily trained to cover religion and tell stories. And they don't always know the communities. So it's hard for them to know, who do I go talk to? What do these things mean? Um, where do I go find information about these people? Like, and that's, and that's just, that's not just a problem that we have as, as a sick community. That's, that's sort of across the board. That's what I've seen. So, so I, I recognize that it's, it's a tough job. One of the outcomes that we see regularly, um, across the media landscape is when you're community is not represented in the industry, um, you tend to be portrayed in a very, in an oversimplified and superficial way. Um, and so journalism, just like any other industry in this, in our society, um, is overwhelmingly white. Um, poor representation of minority religious communities and minority racial communities. And so when it comes to reporting on different people, you know, you don't always get what you would what you would expect or what you would hope for. Um, so I think it's an industry problem. Uh, it's a resource problem. It's a community problem. There are all, all sorts of factors that play into this. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, what we can control is to identify where, where, where we can fill some gaps within the community. So what is the response? Like how, like how do we... Um how do we get media to do a better job of humanizing the impact of Bill 21? Because that seems to be the issue, right? Uh, there seems to be a disconnect between the impact that this, this bill has on the people of Quebec, especially minorities or people of faith, um, and the general community just not understanding that. Like, Amarkar, you've done quite a few interviews um, you know the questions you get and uh, uh, the inquiries that media make. Do you feel are they they do a decent job of fleshing that out? The ones that do care and the ones that don't, how can they do a better job? Um, I think one of the questions that someone asks me first of all is, "Oh, we didn't know sick women wore turbans. Um, so, like, are you something special? Do you have a special um, responsibility in the Sikh faith? And I said, no, I'm just an average person. Um, Sikhism has equal accessibility, equal opportunity in terms of practice. Um, it's it's up to the, the participant of the faith, just like any other religion. And then it kind of brings it back to, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I think... One of the questions or one of the apprehensions of journalists is is they don't know what to ask and they're scared to ask those quote-unquote tough questions, but 
they're not really tough, right? So it, it, it's an advocacy thing from our community. The information that we're putting out and the people that we ask to do these media interviews when there's um, a Gordora dispute or when there's something, you know, affecting this community, that representation needs to be really good. And it needs to be someone who's very aware of the nuance of language and the fact that this is a diaspora. I, I, being an Amritari Sikh, I do not represent the whole Sikh community in Quebec. I represent maybe a faction of it, a, a percentage of it, but I don't represent the whole thing. And it's very important to have that diaspora visible in those interviews. And then at least having that rapport with a journalist and, and getting to know them and, and, and building that network really solidifies any hopes of improving the situation with the French media. Having a meeting and just saying, look, this is you know, who I am. Um, these are insiders that I can uh, help you build relations with. And if you need any help, you can always go back to them. I think that's one way of really combating this issue. Yeah, I think that's that's critically important. I think, you know, one of the big shifts we made in the States about five or six years ago um, through the Sikh Coalition uh, was to recognize two things. Um, one, that journalism, just like any other thing in this world, is all about relationships. And so uh, if you reach out to people and offer to help, they're grateful. And if you just serve them, you know, sort of selflessly as we do in our tradition, right? Like I can connect you with someone, I can help you find a story, I can give you ideas, um, you know, that overall comes back and helps the community. And, and the second piece of that then is creating opportunities for proactive storytelling. So we're not always reacting, which tends to be our MO in, in the Sikh community, uh, where something like Bill 21 comes along, and then all of a sudden we're scrambling to find people to tell the stories from within our community, finding people who will listen to us within the media. Uh, we don't have relationships, we don't have access, we don't have power. Um, and so this is, a, this is a slow grind. I think that's been uh, a monumental change for us in the States over the last five to 10 years. Yeah, we, we've had a similar episode. Um, and the, the reason for Ask 86 itself was a reaction to uh, Justin Trudeau's trip to India. Uh, and it became very apparent that, yes, the community was very reactive. How do we proactively start building relationships? Um, and we found receptive audiences of our editorial board meetings and journalists and uh, engaging those people and having those conversations. Uh, is, is that the same model that can be applied here in Quebec or is there something different about the Quebec media landscape that we just can't just necessarily apply or duplicate what's been done elsewhere? I'm not sure. I think you you can uh, duplicate what's been done, but it, you need people who can speak French fluently and with a Quebecois accent. Yeah. <laughs> and it's you get treated so differently when you sound like you belong. Right. Um, so my husband, he's Sikh, and he has a perfect Quebecois accent. Um, and, you know, it's something that people have remarked on every single day, right? It's mm -hmm. like he'll get told, oh, you speak French so well. How come? He goes, well, I, I went to school here, right? <laughs> like your law says I have to go to school in French. That's how come I speak so well, um, French without an accent. And I think it's it really does change people's perceptions um, because Quebecers want someone who can speak to them in French and they want to feel like, like that's a big sign of respect here. 
Um, and I think that, that that's, that's pretty important. So you need to have people who quite simply just have the right accent. Right. Well, and, and I don't think there's anything necessarily um, shocking about that. Because at the end of the day, I think human beings are very emotional creatures. Uh, and there's a lot of mental shortcuts they take before they, they will judge whether or not I trust this person or not. And that decision is sometimes made in seconds. Um, I think if there's tools that the community can use on that advocacy side to get in front of journalists, to get in front of the media, um, like just regular sick Quebecers, you know, what is that? Right? How does that look? Is it just finding the guy with the right accent uh, and and reaching out and asking for interviews? Um, is there events? Is there is there something missing uh, from the sick community here? Uh, and that's the reason why, let's say, local press just doesn't understand. The I think community. it's about the older generation just trusting the youth and the young adults and saying, "Look, you guys know how to deal with this. We support you. Do what you got to do." Um, and it really starts with, like Jennifer was saying, it, it's about feeling comfortable, right? You feel comfortable with someone that you can identify with. And people who are, are from Quebec, Quebecois, they, they're really proud of the language. They're really proud of francophonie, je me souviens, and everything. And if they feel that there's someone who communicates that ethos, they're more inclined to listen to them. Um, and also, at the same time, it's just amongst us youth, especially the Anglophone ones who are... are, are uh, born, brought up here, we were apprehensive to talk in French. And it's it's a sad reality. Um, I went to an English school, an English private school, and then carried on in English. I did French immersion so I can speak French. But even amongst us, we, we're just very apprehensive to talk in French, and that needs to change. Yeah. Is there, um, like when the national media, so for example, you know, uh, you've done interviews on CBC or let's say the Global Mail writes a story. Does that have any real impact in Quebec? Or is that seen as like an importing of like English Canada into Quebec? Uh, I think that's a very loaded question. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that it has positive impacts. For one, it really mobilizes as a community and it gets those issues conveyed because the reality is is a lot of people, I mean, we're a, we're a diaspora, we have people who are born up here, uh, born brought up here, we have people who have moved from another province and we have people who have moved internationally. So English media does attract all those three groups, um, but it can kind of set this precedent that, oh, these are the Anglophones telling us how we should be or they're better than all of us. When the truth is, as Anglophones, we have our own issues as well too. Um, so it does bring a lot of good, but there are so many benefits that can come from having proper um, French media coverage and Sikhs who can speak the language really well and communicate um, what needs to be communicated in the French media. I think some of the onus is on Sikh parents to not um, to not shy away from French schools, right? And that's like a hard burden also to bear. But you do benefit from learning French. Like learning French is not uh, a disadvantage. It doesn't disadvantage you in life, right? Uh, learning English is is not nearly as hard because there's just so much more English media and 
you can be so much more easily immersed in English culture, living in Canada, even living in Quebec, whereas it's a lot harder to immerse yourself in French. So I think, um, I think the Quebec Sikh community um, should embrace the French system embrace the French schools because I do think that it ultimately will be a benefit but it's also the community small uh-huh. the community is really centralized in in certain areas it doesn't have a, a really huge footprint so I think that there's you know there's a little bit of a limit that can be done like because in terms of like getting out ahead, right? Because we're going to be centralized on, like, if it's a news story that has to do with LaSalle or has to do with South Shore or West Island, something like that, we can be more involved. But the news, it's hard to establish contacts with news media who are based in Quebec City, Uh for instance, Uh who are also going to be writing stories on this. Um, And because also that there's, there isn't really like a Sikh network within Quebec that sort of is able to say like, you know, like the WSO can't do everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot to put on one shoulders of one organization. So we need more organizations to be present in Quebec to fill that role, to be able to engage with the media and do more advocacy work outside of Montreal. Mm-hmm. I think our community as a general, um, we're a product of crisis. Um, if you look at our history, religious persecution, um, ask Canadian Sikhs, um, Justin Trudeau's trip to Can- uh, Canada, to <laughs> India. Um, and then what's happening right now with the bill, faith groups are working together. Gordoras are actually scared. They're like, what is our future here? What's our place? Um, and to add to that, it's just we, we have to think past crisis mode and we have to think of longevity. If this is your home and you're willing to stay here for the rest of your life, what infrastructure are you putting in place so that the youth, senior citizens, all all, all these groups of people, they know how to live in Quebec? It's fine to say, learn French, learn French, learn French, but that falls on deaf ears when you don't have an actionable item or you don't have some form of support. And this is what irritates me. CAC is hell-bent on you know putting this law why don't you focus your time on creating resources that are more accessible in Punjabi, English as well too, to people who are not French speakers and have incentives to speak in French. Why don't you have free French courses offered at the Gurdwari? Why, why, why wouldn't you? Like, I don't understand. Put your more energy on that. Fix the roads for crying out loud. And then, you know, you'll see an improvement. Do I do want to say though that I think it's really important to recognize that Quebec society, it has these tensions and it has um, it has these difficulties. It's like we're living in a very like tense time where you're not quite sure what people think of you when you walk down the street. You're not quite sure what kind of attention you're attracting when someone looks at you um, right now. It, but I think as a whole, um, Quebec society a lot of Quebecers are really open. They are really interested in the other. They don't have a lot of basic views of Sikhs. So I think Sikhs, it's almost like there, there's an opportunity there for Sikhs in Quebec if they can just take advantage of it somehow because there aren't 
a lot of prejudices that have already been formed. And there is a lot that I think um, Quebecois people can uh, see in Sikhs that resounds, like it resonates with them and their culture um, that they would be attracted to and see as allies and as, you know, valuable members of society. So I think we, like, it's important to recognize that not all the prejudices have been formed yet. So if we can get in front of the narrative, um, there's an opportunity to change the discourse. Any other like pertinent points you want to add? I think that was a good ending though. Yeah, I think that was a really good yeah? ending. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's a positive note to end on. A, a glimmer of hope um, and attaching ourselves to you know, that sick principle of Charatikala, like there is a solution here. We can we could find a solution here to at least tell our stories better or ensure that the media do a better job of telling our stories. Um, so with that, I, I want to thank all of you uh, for taking out your valuable time to uh, have these conversations with us over the last couple of podcasts. Um, with that, thank you so much. Uh, and I, I look forward to continuing the series and sharing uh, more stories from Quebec, Amarcore, I know you're going to have some young folks sharing their experience with this. And maybe that's part of this journey of humanizing, um, you know, the people that will be impacted by this. Uh, and then also educating those across the country that want to know more about what this actually means to folks on the ground. Uh, so with that, thank you so much. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ka Fateh.